0: Coming up on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast.
1: I'm sick of people saying, "Oh, this is a this is a genius idea. This is a great idea. There's something here." I I was listening to that for six or seven years, and no one was doing anything. So I just went, "You know what? I'm just going to make this myself."
0: There's a massive difference between having an idea and executing an idea. Lots of people have great ideas for business or creative projects, but only few of those people actually make them happen. My guest on this episode of the Mario Rosenstock podcast is one of those rare people. Tony Kelly is an actor and comedian who came up with a comedy character many years ago he called Gar Campion. Very talented, but deeply flawed hurler. Tony started putting Gar in sketches on YouTube, and in the years that followed, He's fought tooth and nail to turn The Hurler into a feature film. And against all the odds, he has just made that happen. In our chat, Tony tells me the fascinating story of how he did it. And it wasn't easy, folks. Of course it isn't. We also talk about stand-up comedy, the uniqueness of Waterford, Tony's hometown and indeed my hometown, and the power um, of sheer grit and determination.
1: My dad was a car salesman. I hustled my way to film school in New York selling cars to just like make money to get somewhere so I've always been a hustler I mm. suppose he watched this little film and rang me and said Steve Rosenfield here I'm a comedy producer I think you're very funny would you like to do stand up and I went fuck off and hung up the phone why? <laughs> I told it was one of the lads message oh did you? yeah yeah Okay. so he rang me back he was like Tony Steve Rosenfield here please don't tell me to fuck off mm-hmm. again the first Christmas I came home from America I've haven't lived there for a year and obviously, you pick up a few American terms, you know, that kind of thing. And myself and the lads were in town, and I said to the lads, I'm going to pop upstairs in Debenham's lads, and it's going to take the elevator. And the lads went, Oh, he's taking the elevator. <laughs> I right, I mean the lift. Well, say the lift then.
0: What are you talking about by e- elevator? About?
1: Margie, his wife, made us lunch and we sat down and had lunch and we read this. And I was hearing John Kenny say my words yes. and call me Gar and all this yes, kind of yes, stuff. Yes, yes, and yes. And I said, does this mean we're doing the film, John? He went, sure, of course i are doing the film. What are you doing up your own ways?" Ah, that's lovely.
0: My full chat with Tony Kelly coming up very shortly. But first, it's time for comedy. And my podcasting colleagues are talking about all sorts of stuff this week. One of the things that Eamon Dunphy on the stand is talking about is a massive controversy uh, that's happening in the United Kingdom right this very week. Have a listen. Hello, you're listening to The Stand with Eamon Dunphy. Now, over in England, chaos on morning TV with the departure of Philip Schofield. Here to discuss, I'm joined by one of the great media gossip columnists of our time, showbiz correspondent John Giles. Oh yeah, Eamon. John, what's going on um, on this morning with Philip Schofield? Well he wasn't getting on with Holly Willoughby Eamon and if you're not yes. if the two of them aren't, aren't getting on up front you're going to have a problem there Eamon No no, no. no. I love Holly Willoughby John A uh, Willoughby's great Eamon she's great she's tough as well Amen. Oh she's yeah tough. tough as nails tough, tough as, as nails a, John a great, a great laugh on her Eamon she's got a great laugh yeah. I love her laugh I yeah. love her laugh yeah. They might be talking about the great British bake-off there Eamon and yes. someone would say you've got a soggy bottom there and Holly yes. would start yes. laughing and the yes. whole yes. country yeah. is laughing Eamon the Soggy country. bottom Soggy yeah. bottom So funny yeah. John So funny Yes. she's out on her own but yeah. she she's out at the moment John is she yeah they got a good bench though and Addison Hammond coming in to replace her no so, oh, she's got a great laugh on her as yeah, well John the boy, the boy Dermot O'Leard coming in O'Leary, as well yeah, he's done yeah, well he's yeah, done yeah. well who will replace Schofield yeah. up front John eventually well a little birdie told me Eamon that, go on John go on well he's out of contract at the yes. moment and the the rumour is Ryan Tupperty's been brought in Eamon yes. he's coming in for a medical tomorrow yeah. You heard it uh, here first, folks. Uh, That's it for this week. Uh, Ryan Tuberty and Holly Willoughby, confirmed for this morning. Thanks, John. I hope you don't mind if I indulge um, in uh, making John Giles a correspondent on nearly everything um, but football. I quite enjoy it myself. Um, We'll hear from David McWilliams a little bit later on, um, talking about something completely different. I think it's the Doggy Book Festival that he is hosting um, this year. So join uh, me for some comedy later on in the episode. Now, we're going to get to the chat with Tony Kelly. You may not have heard of Tony yet, but I know you're going to love his story of making a feature film called The Hurler, his memories of performing stand-up in one of New York's famous comedy clubs and his unique take on what makes Waterford City and Waterford people so unique. What are you talking about, boy, yeah? I'll tell you what makes us unique, boy. It's our accent, boy. Anyway, enjoy Tony Kelly. OK, well, you're here for a number of reasons, Tony, because you're from Waterford. You've made a movie. The movie is new. And you, you. I want you to tell me the story of making this movie. Mm. You basically have created, produced, written, starred in this movie called The Hurler. Um, I want you to tell me I want her, and our her audience basically briefly what The Hurler's about. And then I want you to tell me how you put the movie together, because you asked a lot of people, Kind of, you rang them up. You got in contact with them by email. People who are well known in comedy circles in Ireland and stuff like that, and you got them to convince them to to make cameo appearances in the movie. And I think it's a brilliant story how you did it.
1: Yeah, it's uh, so the hurler is about this hurler, shockingly called Gar Campion. He is a character that I developed around 2011 or 2012. Yeah, I was. I was living in the States at the time. Um, I'd gone to film school. I'd been performing in the stand-up circle over there, or circuit over there. And mm-hmm. I um, I knew my visa was coming to an end and I had to come back to Waterford. Yep. I had no money. I would no prospects. I didn't know anyone over here. I'd been, mm-hmm. any of my experience in show business or whatever was in New York and I was leaving. I had nothing. So I was like, I have this character. What
0: age are you now leaving New York?
1: I was twenty six or twenty-seven, okay. I think. Um and I'd heard about these things called web series. Oh, you know, this is the new thing, it's gonna be huge. And you know, if you're coming out of film school, you wanna to get together with your collaborative friends and, and collaborate on this thing called web series. And I came home and no one knew what I was talking about. No one had heard of it over here. And I went, Okay, well there's an opening here. I had this guy Gar Campion. I was I, I I've always been a fan of actors and comics and writers who've had characters like mm-hmm. uh, like Steve Coogan with Alan Partridge, Ricky Gervais with David Brent, yes. you know, even Gary Shandling with Larry Sanders, yes. that type of thing, you know, and I, I I thought that Gar Campion could be my version of that yes. for me, you know, to showcase me a little bit. So, uh, yeah, so I I um I kind of came up with this character, as I said, and in the web series, but the, the film, just to, to answer your original question, the film is about Gar. Gar is Ireland's most notorious hurler. But, uh, possibly maybe the best, most talented, raw talented hurler in the country, but he just can't behave himself. He just really doesn't know how to behave himself. So Gar becomes the first hurler in the history of the amateur sport of hurling to fail a drug test for performance enhancing drugs. Uh, That obviously is very frowned upon uh, in the sport. Mm. And um, then he kind of is advised to get out of town because he's suspended and maybe try and rebuild his reputation for one more run at an All-Ireland or whatever that might be. Mm. Uh, His coach is played by legendary Irish actor and comedian John Kenny. Mm -hmm. So John's character convinces my character to go to Waterford uh, to coach Ireland's worst hurling team. They've never even won a game before. Mm. And his pitch to Gar basically is Imagine the legend you'll be if you can not only win a game with them, but maybe win a county final. Mm. So that kind of appeal appeals to Gar's ego. And having lost everything, he goes to Waterford, meets his teenage love, uh, this American girl who he we went to uh, secondary school with, and they haven't seen each other since secondary school. They kind of rekindle their little thing, maybe. And it's about him kind of, um, uh, it, it kind of comes down to, I suppose, ego versus the heart. Yeah, you know that's that's the story of the film mm. anyway
0: and the film has is done it's produced yeah. it's mixed it's up there and yeah. it had its, uh, it had, you had a little cast and crew screening mm-hmm. in Waterford and Garter Lane there a couple of weeks back yes and it's up and ready to go and are you happy with it
1: I am yeah, yeah. I,
0: it was I suppose that's a funny question to ask because yeah. anybody who's as deeply involved in the progenis in the genesis of something and the creation of with your hands all over it as you are, you're probably, you you could probably be very critical of yourself as well and go,
1: Yeah, I mean, I've I've seen it so many times now in in different (laughs) incarnations and the way we edited it was scene by scene. And kind of sequence by sequence yes. to try and get the the timing of the jokes and and all that stuff that I wanted right, and then yes. we put it all together and then did another edit. Yes. And I, like I kind of said to my girlfriend a few <laughs> a few weeks ago, is this even a thing? This, I know this, what you mean. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I know. Is it is it even
0: a thing? Yeah. I mean, forget about it being funny. Yeah. Uh, or is it even a film? Is it actually even a thing? A thing. That's <laughs> yeah. kind of how I felt yeah, about yeah. it. Yeah.
1: But seeing yeah. it uh, with the cast and crew and like kind of behind closed doors, it is a thing. It is a thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I I want you to ask again how you got people in the yeah. movie. So I'll just explain from my point of view, for example so I do this podcast yes, and um, P- Patrick who's my producer mm-hmm. uh, knows you and Patrick said I've got this friend Tony Kelly he's making this movie um, would you be interested in doing a, a cameo in this movie and I went well how, what kind of a cameo because I, obviously I act and so yeah, it could nice. be anything and uh, and he said well what about you know? it's the Mario Rosenstock podcast in which Gar Campion the character appears on alright and we get some branding on it and everything said, it could be good publicity for our podcast I said delighted to do it mm-hmm. and so um, I said yes immediately because um, I loved I love acting, and I love working with actors, and um, I had fun on the day with you, and also it was tra- a chance to do, get the podcast thing. And of course, it's the fir- I think it's the first scene in the movie, pretty it much, is. isn't it? it so, is, where, yeah. so that kind of sets up your character. It's a way of expose, ex- expository way of doing a character. So that was me, and you got me to do it, and we met, I hugged, yeah. and uh, and and had a great day, yeah. and that lovely sound studio in Dublin. And um, but then, who else did you get, and how did you get?
1: Them? Yeah, so obviously we, we <laughs> met we met up first and had a chat before yeah. you turned up on set. And yeah. And I showed you a little bit about it, yeah. but uh, I think um, the original thing was for me. I had I had written this script years ago, and I'd been tossed and turned and thrown to and fro with different companies and different production companies, different channels, different uh, anyone you can imagine had their finger in this originally, and it just seemed to always fall flat. So um, I I went to my agent, who was Lorraine Brennan, and uh, we spo- sat down and kind of went, "What is the dream cast that we that we would want here?" who's on Lorraine's books that I want who's not and Mm -hmm. who could she get me to and the very first person was John Kenny I Mm. mentioned John already you know John is is a hero of mine yes um, I grew up watching himself and Pat Short yeah. uh, as a lot of people See the way do. he said
0: I love the way you said himself. <laughs> yeah, See, that that's real Waterford yeah. now, himself.
1: Yeah, there's no L. No, no himself. L.
0: No L himself.
1: Um yeah, it's it's ironic that people enjoy the accent cuz it's cost me so many prospective jobs over the years. <laughs> I'm
0: sorry, man. Yeah. You look great, you sound great. It's just the accent, yeah, man.
1: I've had it, yeah, yeah believe yeah. me. You sound too much like um, a culture, Yeah. You know. Well,
0: it's a beautiful accent though. That's sorry, that's something we can come back to later yeah. but, but it's 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 an accent that uh, hasn't been heard enough on the national airwaves. Yeah. But I anyway. get a, anyway, I get yeah. a lot of compliments no. about it so I won't mm.
1: change it. Mm. But um yeah, so anyway, John, I I, lo- I grew up watching Father Ted especially, yeah. you know, and then Don videos and stuff. But um I kind of went I'd love John Kenny to be in this. How on earth because John is notoriously, he's almost like Bill Murray. He yeah. has no agent, yeah. but you, if you can find him, he might do your project, you yeah. know. Yeah. So um, Lorraine, my agent, uh, knew John and mm. reached out to him mm. and said kind of what Patrick said to you. You know, I have this this guy, he's my client and he wrote this film and he wants you to be in it. And the funny thing is, of all the people who ended up in the movie, I think John is the only one other than myself since like day one in 2018 when I made the list who's in the movie. Mm. He was. It was never anyone else except John to mm, play the coach. Yeah. So I got a phone call one day out of nowhere. Uh, actually, my mom had said, uh, "Oh, I just saw John Kenny on the on RTE." Oh, yeah. Well, anyway, saw him on RTE one or something doing some show, and I went. All right, that's great. And she went, yeah. Isn't it a pity he would not ring you about your film and do your film, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And I went, yeah, it is. Yeah, and I'm raging, obviously, because my mother mm-hmm. <laughs> doesn't know she's winding me up, but she yeah, is. Yeah, yeah. And I'm fuming. Yeah. And I went, uh, yeah, it is a pity, ma'am. Yeah, yeah, it is a pity. I wish she'd fucking ring me. Yeah. yeah. So then I went up to my room, and my phone rang, and it was John. And he was like, uh, Sorry, was this a fluke? Yeah. Like right. he, he he had gotten the script the day before right. was up in Dublin had yeah. met Lorraine or something yeah. like that yeah. did the show came mm. off air yeah. and rang me as he was leaving the studio yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: and I'm going oh my god this is unbelievable he goes is this Tony Kelly I said it is yeah he goes is John Kenny here and I'm kind of going oh my god and he said uh, listen uh, I was sent your script your agent sent me your script yeah it is great you're great it is brilliant it is brilliant come up to my to house tomorrow and we'll read it <laughs> <laughs> that's and, nice, that's and that nice. was kind of it
0: that's lovely and I
1: went up to his house the next day and of and course he's
0: such a sweet man oh,
1: I, like I honestly have grown to love him yeah. so much and yeah. I really and up to your him. house
0: up to the house up you to went. the
1: house and Margie his wife made us lunch and we sat down and had lunch and we read this and I was hearing John Kenny saying my word yes. and call me Gar and all yes, this kind of yes, stuff yes, yes. And, he, and I said does this mean we're doing the film John he went sure of course we're doing the film what are you doing up here otherwise Oh, that's lovely yeah so once John was in that was great. It I gave think you confidence. It did, yeah. Now I had there was one or two other people who had already been in by then. Uh, like David McSavage was in. Well, then.
0: I'll get to him in a minute. Yeah. But I might as well share my, a little story of John Kenny with you, because John Kenny is 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 a special kind of character in Irish, yeah, kind of life and acting, not just acting, but so comedy, but acting. You know, mm. and I remember just my own little personal experience of John, and that was um, I come from my, fa- my 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 grandfather was. Two grandfathers, obviously, right? The Waterford grandfather. Mm-hmm. He was going by the the, the out beyond Kilcoan Park there on the Old Tramore Road, and he had a farm there, eighty, ninety acres, you know, sixty, seventy head of cattle, mm. and we used to call the cattle names, you know, so to be a cow called Val, and another, you know, and all this sort of stuff, and uh, that was the Waterford grandfather. But then there was a German grandfather as mm-hmm. well, and he was in the Second World War, and he came back, and he started a, um, a surgery, doctor surgery, in Limerick in Kilfinnan right. and of course years and years and years later I got a call from people in Kilfinnan going wasn't your grandfather from Kilfinnan and I said yes of course and he said well listen we're trying to rebuild the old church up in Kilmalach and uh, and John Kenny is from up around that part and John is has agreed to do a stint in the big hall in front of a thousand people would you be into doing a stint as well just the two of you him and you and I went together and went no no separately John will go on first and then you'll come on second and so up I went anyway, and there was a thousand people crammed into a hall, and I got out of the car and I, they said, "John is already on." And I could hear John through a wall through a, through a, a wall and through a door. <laughs> and they, they a very nice fellow brought me into a kind of what looked like a priest's vestry uh, sitting room kind of place, and just sat down there and gave me a cup of tea and said, "John is inside, and I could hear John through the thing." And all I could hear through the wall. Was this kind of sound? It's going to be hard to reproduce it on the radio, but it's, it's kind of like this. <laughs> okay, and I was like, Jesus Christ, it, it sounds like somebody is being tortured to death in there by a kind of a, <laughs> an evil sort of Bond hero, right? Yeah. And then it could be silence. <laughs> at the end of it this huge ovation just went up right yeah. they had obviously just seen John Kenny and that was it and that was his act but I didn't hear what he said and he went <laughs> the door opened and John Kenny went lovely to meet you yeah. John John Kenny <laughs> that's right and this was it this this obviously creature Tasmanian devil had gone to work on this crowd outside with a baseball bat mm-hmm. basically metaphorically and then comes into me and I meet this Shakespearean actor and that's him and out I went to do my bit then, just going, what am I following? Yeah. You know, and they were all, they all looked as if they'd been attacked. Yeah. <laughs> People were red-faced, their heads were stand, hairs were standing up on their head. And that's what he'd done to them, this manic, yeah. crazy
1: act. But this nicest, warmest, politest man walked off the stage. He is the, the gentlest creature you'll ever meet in your life. But on stage, he's a force of nature. He is, yeah,
0: yeah. He really is, you know. But, and so that was John. And yeah. when you had confidence when John got in. And then... The, the David McSavage Yeah so Dave <laughs> Dave a good, Had you wanted David to I be did to as play. well
1: but Like Dave is a good A, a good pal now uh, Previously I'd met him In between stints Of me being in New York I would come home For a little while And do some stand up Over here because Like unlike a lot of Comedians from Ireland I started doing comedy In America mm. uh, In New York And stuff like that And then I'd come home And, and feel a little bit lost Like and, and I still feel that way A little bit Like yeah. you know I don't feel part of the Irish stand up culture it's a weird little thing for me. Well, either
0: do I now, and I think okay. that, I think that's something that a lot of comedians feel. Um Even comedians in different realms of comedy. Okay. So, for example, that's an interesting thing, for example, for me to not only to observe, but to talk about. Yeah. So, for example, I don't know any comedians really well because I don't feel part of the comic um, sort of circle. Mm. And that's because I'm not a stand-up comedian. I'm a sketch comedian. I'm an actor stroke sketch sketch comedian. And so I don't feel like I would... Like, I can never see myself playing on 11 an 11-a-side 11 uh, football team down in Kenny cat Cats' laughs, yeah. and passing the ball to Barry Murphy. Yeah. You know, and then catching 10 minutes of Jason Byrne. Yeah. I have the greatest of admiration for both of them. Sure. But I'm just not in that scene. Yeah. And it, I don't do it. It's, it's
1: mad, like, because I feel like, and I feel mm, like, I thought mm. maybe that, you know, starting out in Gotham Comedy Club in New York, kind of playing my trade in little basements in New York and, you know, learning from those old... Jewish comics from the 70s. I was like, I'll, I'll go back and be able to take this, you know. And then I kind of came in there, like, what the fuck is this for? Yeah, you know. So I felt a little bit like that. So, but but in between that, there was some people, you know, who would book me and I'd do gigs when I came home. Yeah. And, and one time I opened for Dave yeah. McSavage, yeah. And uh, the Savage I was on, but if you can imagine, I'm living in New York, so I don't know what this yeah, is. Yeah. And YouTube was only really... Yeah, so
0: there wasn't really you know, there as so well.
1: You yeah. one or two things, but mm. I'd known who Dave was anyway. So I opened for him, i come back. The I, Savage
0: I, Eye was like one of the best things that Ireland has ever, ever produced. Ever. Ever produced. Absolutely brilliant. S- satirical
1: genius. Yeah, absolutely. You know, at yeah. points especially. Yeah. But but Dave is a notoriously, you know, eccentric guy. Yeah. So we had a chat backstage. I didn't know, whatever. I, I think I'd opened for him then once maybe after that, but we never, never didn't keep in touch or anything like that. So I just said... Look, I'll I'll message Dave, mm. like, on Instagram and just see what the story is. And um, I just sent him a message. I was like, well, Dave, look, you won't remember me. We did this years yeah, ago. Yeah. But um, I'm doing this movie. This is what it is. I'd love you to be in it if you have any interest. And he wrote back and he goes, well, Tony, 2010, I remember it well. As if, like, <laughs> fuck off, you know. And uh, he goes, listen, give me a buzz. So I just yeah, rang yeah, him and yeah. I told him and he goes, yeah, that sounds unreal. I'll do that.
0: Yeah. And, yeah. and he was in and that's nice of him and I, to be honest with you that's exactly the way i felt as yeah. well and i don't know why you know i mean my t- i don't know if it if it comes from the same spirit as i do but my i was in straight away and and it was because i was so admiring admiring of the fact that you had gone and done this yourself right you know what i mean mm-hmm. so really i was going to be on your side no matter what well, thank you yeah and and i think that's that's there's so much to admire in what you've done okay. i mean because it's so much more than conception talent creativity it's 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 that thing that a lot of creative people just don't have they don't recognize they don't understand it's just called getting it
1: done yeah see i, I come from i suppose uh, my dad was a car salesman and i got a job selling cars to pay to go to film school when i was 18 so i suppose like i hustled my way to film school in new york selling cars and all that kind of stuff to just like make money to get somewhere. So I've always been a hustler, I mm. suppose. And then um I did a movie in 2017 called Writing Home. And I was the lead in this movie, right? And I went, okay, this is it now for me. I'm the lead in this movie. It's premiering at the Galway Film Fla. Mm. I'm being invited to the IFTA lunch. Mm. You know, there's talk of what do you want to do next? Yeah. Taking all these general meetings with people. Yeah. Asking me what do I want. You mm. know that bullshit. Yeah and i kind of went this is it and then it was produced by filmbase mm. and after a while filmbase mm. went out of business mm. so the movie went into liquidation yes. so my career that was just about to skyrocket after 7 years of trying yeah. just went nowhere again and you can all, and you, be, you can be forgiven
0: for that tony yeah. because i mean <clears throat> i'm sure you've you, you, seem, you seem like a guy who would have read and heard about and uh, listened to anecdotes from let's say hollywood in the past yes i mean you're talking about stories in not film-based you're talking about people making in the equivalent of a 100, 150 million quid movie yeah. and we've never heard of them and they have never been heard of since Yeah, yeah, yeah. so if that can go horribly yeah, wrong yeah, no. a
1: film-based movie Sure can, 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 of can, course but can, my point was I suppose that like I had this hurler in the back pocket because yeah. the web series had been out it had been quite successful I won this award in Hollywood <laughs> for it it was like, uh, they called it the Oscars of web series, which I suppose everyone wants to be the Oscars of whatever. Mm. But it was in Universal Studios mm. in Hollywood. It was a pretty big deal at yeah. the time. And like for me to make this thing for nothing in Waterford, yeah. to end up in Hollywood picking up this award for Amazing. comedy. You know, and it was it was a cool thing to do, you know. And, and I suppose I kind of went, there's something here. There's something in this yeah. guy, you know. So during COVID... Um, I had just done it as a one-man show actually because I got so frustrated with the bureaucracy of it all that I went, I'm just going to put it on stage and instead of doing... Someone actually, someone came to me and went I-, I think it was the Waterford Arts Council or something like that would you like to do a new stand-up show? You haven't done stand-up in a while. And I went, ah, I've done that. I want to do an in-character thing. And I went, I'll just do The Hurler. I've written the script years ago and it's not going anywhere. So I'll do it. And if, if by chance it's the next Aikino or something like that then I'll get a movie or a series anyway. So I did it. I put it on stage in Waterford as a kind of a tester and then the plan was to go to the Edinburgh Festival in 2020. Oh yeah. But you'll also remember when I mean, you hear 2020 I know. the sirens go off yeah. in What mind. month
0: now was it in 2020? It was March 5th, <laughs> 6th and
1: 7th <laughs> of 2020. Right. So the show closes yeah. and then the world closed. Yeah. Uh, and again I went I'm really not supposed to be doing this am I? Yeah. Did, did you know? feel
0: like there was something in there was something there was a gnomon against you or something. Yeah, I did. Yeah, um
1: yeah. I, I felt like something was wrong and the world was closed in on me in 2020. And it really did for a while, Yeah, you know, and and then I kind of got a kick up in the arse, which I'm sure we'll talk about later on, to kind of sort myself out, you know. But in between all that, I went, you know what, because the, the original script took place, um, same concept, Gar fails the steroid test, has to go off, but he went to New York because of all my connections in New York. I went, oh, if I could make this movie in New York, you know, But I went, in 2020, I said, like, when are we ever going to be able to go to America ever again? Because it looked kind of like that. They were like, well, air travel's done. You know, so I was like, when am I ever going to be able to bring Mm. a crew to America again, let let alone me go there? Mm. So I said, you know what, maybe if I just place it all in Ireland, what's the difference? If he has to leave this mythical county that I made up that he lives in why can't he just go to a different county?
0: Yeah, which is the same principle. Because Ireland is so, you know, broken up into yes. those different rivalries anyway. And, yeah. Tipperary is as far away from Waterford as New York is in, and in that's rivalry terms. Yeah,
1: That's a fact. So I went, okay, and maybe maybe I could showcase Waterford on film. Why, why not make him come to Waterford and try and showcase my home county, my home city, the, the forgotten county, and, and kind of do it that way. So I rewrote the entire script to take place in Waterford and just kind of contained the story that way and and kind of just went okay. Do you know what? I'm just going to make this myself. I'm sick of people saying, "Oh, this is a this is a genius idea. This is a great idea." And uh, there's there's something here. I, I was listening to that for six or seven years, and no one was doing anything. So I just went. Do you know what? I love. I I, I kind of I grew up listening to punk rock music. Yeah. I love all that. And I went, let's just make a punk rock movie. Mm. Do it yourself. Yeah. And that's just yeah. How it well, you've of, done
0: it yourself. Yeah. But the other thing, I think I met, maybe you've mentioned this to you if, if when we were chatting, maybe the first time we met, and that was that um, you know you think I have to do it myself. I had to do it myself. No, 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 no. Madonna, Lady Gaga, Tom Cruise, they all. Do it themselves. Yeah. They do not wait for anybody mm-hmm. or ask to be given anything. They do not wait by a phone and go, Oh, I just hope I, somebody considers me for this yeah. Macbeth role. Yeah. They don't they don't hang around. They go, I'm doing Macbeth. I'm gonna play Macbeth and mm-hmm. I'll produce it myself. Yeah. And Lady Gaga is gonna play uh, you know, Desdemona or something. Yeah. And uh, you know, whatever.
1: It's the truth though, and I like I remember like I I was getting really down yeah. for a while. I think 18, 19, 20, it was dark enough for me. Because I'd had that movie and then I kind of didn't have... And instead of kind of just going, well, that didn't work, next. I kind of got bogged down in it. And then I had this big audition for what has ended up being one of the biggest shows in the world. Uh, I've never actually talked about it publicly but like I I auditioned for Ted Lasso you know that show I I read for Roy Kent in in Ted Lasso right because originally he was Roy Keane and they read probably every young Irish actor in the country for it so I read for it but I I had known of this character because I went to school in America so Sudeikis was playing as if I know him Jason Sudeikis was playing this character on sketches uh, for Fox Soccer Channel when they were when the Premier League rights were going yeah. over there. And I just thought it was the funniest thing ever. So when, when I got the email saying Ted Lasso, I immediately went, oh my God, they're making a show. And then I read the brief and it was like uh, mid-thirties Irish football player who's angry and coming. <laughs> and I went, this is me. <laughs> this is me. Yeah. So I think I wanted it so much that I overthought the o- audition so much yeah. that, and I, everything is self taped now, even before COVID. Yes. I think I did so many takes, I don't even know what I sent in. Yes. Do you know that kind of way? Yes. And when I didn't get it, and when it looked like I wasn't even going to get anything in the show, I went, oh, like same thing again. You yeah. know, big blame game. Big, oh, poor me. Yeah. And I actually met someone at the Galway Film Flat in 2019. I had a short that I directed with screening at it. And he'd been on Saturday Night Live with Jason Sudeikis. So uh, a, a, a common friend kind of set up that we would have a cup of coffee together. It was um, Will Forte, right? So Will Forte... Um, I said to him, what am I doing wrong? Should I give up? What will I do? And he said, what do you mean? And I said, you know, I, I read for this fucking Jason Sudeikis show. I didn't get it. And he goes, so? Probably a hundred fellas didn't get it. And I went, oh, yeah, but. And he goes, well, hang on, just stop for a second. And I t- kind of, he said, tell me a little bit about. So I, I gave him a little bit of brief of where I came from, what I was doing, the hurler, all that kind of stuff. And he said, how tall are you? And I said, I'm six foot one. And he said, maybe Jason Sudeikis doesn't want to look up at you. It can be as simple as that. And I went, all right. And he goes, what's this thing you're telling me about? So I told him about the hurler. And he said, just make that. That's you. And I went, what do you mean? He said, well, look, I was doing, and he kind of gave me a little bit of background on him. And he was like, you know, when I came out of Saturday Night Live, I didn't know what I was going to do. And then I had this script, The Last Man on Earth or whatever it is. And he goes, and we just did that. So like, I'm not saying like, you can just go to Fox and make a TV show, but you have this idea, you have this script, make the movie. Hmm. And I kind of went, well, if this fella is telling me to do that, You know, that, yeah, yeah, there must good. be something.
0: And that's good. That's good common sense that he was t- telling you about. Yeah. And also what I communicated was how how difficult it is in, in this business as well to even, even if you do become, you know, moderately successful, middle, you know, very successful, mm-hmm. how many times you're just going to hear the word no? Yeah. You know, and you're just going, you just have to develop the, the ability to listen and hear the word no. Yeah. And just go move on. No is part of the yes. That, that Christy here, you're listening to the top comedy podcast in Ireland I was voted in the Irish Podcast Awards Congratulations Mario Rosenstock yam, doodle, diddle that, diddle that, doo. Okay, time for our second comedy sketch folks This time it's David McWilliams' podcast And he's talking about the Dorky Book Festival I think that's what he's talking about anyway uh, ready to go, David. Ready to rock, John. Yeah, Dorky Book Festival, is, yeah. is it? Yeah, Dorky Book Festival all the way. Okay. How are you doing? I'm David and this is my friend, John. How are you? How are you? Exciting news, John, about the Dorky Book Festival. That's right, David. Tom Hanks is coming Whoa. to Dorky, is he? That's right, John. Yeah. Tom Hanks is coming to Dorky I cannot wait To meet the man himself Oh superstar Absolutely, A few superstar. readings yep. A bit of poetry A yeah. little bit of economic analysis Oh not too all much All washed <laughs> down With a couple of flagons A Linden village Up on the top of Kaloyani hill we'll go oh, Then score an eighth spot A black Moroccan off Mixer down in the doggy flats. Who's and Mixer? i get Tom fucking wasted, so we will. Ah, then down into bars as for sick. a buttered sausage. Head up the Coleymore fucking road. You're and wait for the scumbags to come out of Finnegan's and myself and Hanksy. Up the oh. fucking yard. We'll oh. knock the living shit out of them posh fucking bastards. What's wrong with All the way up Fuego Road. It'll be like bleeding, ah. saving Private Ryan for two rags, like. Johnny. John? John? This is Blind Boy. You're listening to the Mario Rosenstock Podcast. (laughs) Winner of Top Comedy Podcast of the Year 2022. Now yes. I, I w- I've watched in a you know a little bit of stand up and stuff as well. It might have been down in Waterford, could have been in the Forum or the Theatre yeah. Royal, and stuff. And you're, you're you're talking about some Waterfordisms. <laughs> yeah. And uh, remember we said it before we started the podcast. Yeah. It was like, "Is is him se- or where's the other fella?" And he's only the other. And he's only the other fella. Yeah. And, and of course everybody knows who you're talking about. Exactly. Um, and I remember my phone used to ring back in the day when I was living with my grandfather in Waterford right. and they only had four numbers on the phone. Mm-hmm. So our number was five seven four three. Right. And that's that was wow. like you know, then it became seven five seven. Four three and then subsequently yeah. another, but five seven four three and a fellow would ring on a Sunday night at around six, and uh, he was ge- he was generally Whalen was his name Jim Whalen yeah. uh, Whalen and uh, I'd pick up the phone or um, my grandmother would pick up the phone, and all the fellow would say is himself in,
1: yeah.
0: or is the boss man in. He wouldn't even say hello. Yeah, and it was
1: it's <laughs> it's crazy and like the thing about that story, right? So that video for anyone, and they go to
0: the Saratoga in um, in, Woodstown. in Woodstown and play cards. Yeah, 45,
1: 45 Yeah, yeah. Uh, bought the of Phoenix off the yeah. shelf. yeah uh, so, like, I did this this thing, uh, I did a show in Waterford in January of 2012, I think, and the night before, I'd been in New York for years at that stage, and people were like, oh, do you do stand-up over here? And I kind of went, okay, let's just do it. It was the most frightening experience of my life. But I sat down with, the night before, with the show I'd been touring in the States, and I kind of went, oh God, I should open up with something from Waterford, you know, and I kind of jotted down one or two ideas, or maybe three ideas in kind of bullet points, and I just went on the stage and improvised this kind of thing around those three ideas. And then I released it on YouTube at the time and it just blew up. Mm. And on Facebook, the same thing. So every year around January of the year, like I get this memory and people start resharing the video. And now, if there's any kind of like, oh, uh, Irish Post ranks the, the top tw- 32 accents in Ireland. <laughs> I and mean, when it's Waterford, it's my video. Okay, so if yeah, I ever yeah. monetized it, I would have made a fucking fortune. Yeah, yeah. But it's kind of like, it was. Yeah, I, I thought for a long time that it, it still does haunt me a little bit, but I thought for a long time, all I'm ever going to be known for is this fucking video about, any sign of the other fella, this town has gone to the dogs, Yes. Boy.
0: And that was funny. This town has gone to the dogs, yeah, because yeah. It, no matter how good the town was going, no matter how, you know, it, your fella would be going, Jesus, gone to the fucking dogs, yeah. boy.
1: Like, when I look at 2012 now and I did that bit and I was going down and going to the fucking dogs by, the town was in great shape then. <laughs> you know what I mean? But people are still saying it. But it's kind of made its way into, like, I, look, I I've seen some people kind of use the phrases in that video now as if it's their own. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, there's another, there's a site based on Waterford stuff and I saw them make a meme and it was like, you know you're from Waterford when... And it's like uh, you know when I ask you any sign of the other fella, and I know exactly who he's yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah, I'm going. That's my joke. Mm. You know, but it it's is, kind yeah. of, but it is also flattering in a way that it kind of crosses over into yeah. the zeitgeist yeah. of Waterford. You yeah. know?
0: And what like trying? Let's. What is Waterford in terms of maybe? Is there a kind of a persona? Um, is there a kind of a personality trait? Is there a kind of uh, a feature? Like for example, I remember even just talking about the accent there I was mm. talking to the accent with Ian there one day on the radio right. and and we were talking about I was trying to just dig deeper into the accent you know mm. and it was that kind of thing there you know that there, there and and that. of course there was that french thing yes. and that's a norman thing yeah. you know so if a fellow was called butler or de boutler you know you'd be going like pronouncing it boutler and I, I, yeah but I were well, in irish would be de butler. yeah, and you're going like but l'air so that's French Mm -hmm. right but it's very waterford as well so l'air l'air yeah, right so that guttural thing is you can't tell me that's not coming from Norman French that is is Norman it
1: definitely uh, is that is
0: totally and so that's a contributor to the accent but I was wondering you know because it's a beautiful town um, Waterford, but a beautiful city, and it, it's got a beautiful port, a magnificent port. Yeah. you know, big port. Uh Sorry, I sounded like Trump there. But <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Big, it's big, the, it's, it's, it's a big port, a big. A lot of people know how yeah. big that port is, Ask and anyone. I know a lot about ports. It's a big, big port. Yeah. Big. Big water. And um, um, so, uh, yeah, but it's a great, it's a great city. Yeah. Um, but I was wondering, is there, do you, have you ever thought about what makes up the persona of the Waterford character? I mean, we know, for example, a little bit about the pluckiness of Cork people yeah. and how they see themselves as, as, as separate, they almost. Do. And they see themselves as, well, you're out there, but we're actually here. And yeah. you think you're the place, but no, we're the place. And there's a fierce pride uh, about being rebels. Yes. Um, and I don't know what if we've ever understood anything about Waterford. But or before if you've thought you, but about
1: it. I will tell you about Waterford. But mm. the first thing I want to say is about the rebel thing, right? I was at a Waterford and Cork game around oh god, it must have been about 1998. I'd say I was a child, and I heard the best heckle I've ever heard in my life about that because, like, obviously in hurling games, the fans all sit together a lot yeah. of the time. Right, which, right, correct. Right? So we were sitting amongst a lot of Cork fans and Waterford were getting bet and there was a woman in front of us screaming, Go on the Rebels! Go on the Rebels! And they were already winning though so we were already annoyed. And some fella went, Ah, oh, would you shut up, girl? The only rebel you ever had was Michael Collins and you fucking killed him! <laughs> <laughs> and to this day, it's the best heckle I've ever had in my life. <laughs> so anyway, the Waterford thing, I think, one thing that Waterford people say about each other uh. is that there's a lot of begrudgery in Waterford, right? And it can be looked upon as a negative, obviously, right? But I kind of choose nowadays to kind of flip it a little bit and kind of, I think, I think Waterford people are frustrated and I think they are angry at how let down they've been for the last 15 years or so, especially since the Waterford Crystal, the glass factory closed. There's a lot of, Anger, frustration, we call ourselves the Forgotten City even now. I made a video for Balls.ie in 2017 when Waterford got to the all Ireland Final. And it wasn't just about the reaction to the game and stuff in Waterford City. A lot of it was about what was going on to the city. Like, we don't have 24-7 cardiac care in Waterford. If you have a heart attack after half past five in the evening, you have to get an ambulance to Cork. Yeah
0: but nobody has a heart attack They all schedule them for half three Well I tell you now
1: we had the screening for my film last whenever it was a few weeks ago right and my grandfather is not well at the moment he's got uh, he's got um, heart failure right and he walked up Garter Lane the lane in Garter Lane and we thought he was having a heart attack and had to be rushed to hospital and he now thankfully he's okay but the call was being made as we were on the steps of Garter Lane at half past seven should we send him to Cork now, my granddad is eight, is 82 years of age. He wasn't making it to Cork. Mm. So that's one thing. Like, it, it, if you have a heart attack in Waterford at the weekend mm. or after half five, mm. you're dead. Mm. Mm. Like, that, that to mm. me is, you know... Yeah.
0: So you feel that... I mean, you said 15 years, which is nothing. But, I mean, do you mm. feel that maybe that, 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 that goes back a little further even? That there's a sense of yeah. being a forgotten part of Ireland? I, I
1: definitely think so. Mm. Um, I think like when we t- when we talk about the good old days in Waterford it's it seems a long time ago now mm. like Um, I think the city planning there was a lot of objections went in when people when the city was trying to move forward there was a guy in particular who kept objecting to everything that was going to come into the city new restaurants, new shops, new shopping centres object, object, object no, 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 we want to preserve the city, we want to preserve the city and the ironic thing about it all was he wasn't even from Waterford and he kept objecting to everything Mm. so we ended up with kind of a donut city where there's like big kind of strip malls for for lack of a better term around the outside and all the stuff in the middle of the city centre is closing down or has closed Mm. down and like I feel like that's been going on a long time they tried to strip the city name from Waterford Waterford is Ireland's oldest city it's the first city in Ireland it's the place that the Vikings landed and they and I say they I'm talking about a certain politician from Kilkenny tried to strip the city status from Waterford so as if they hadn't taken enough from us they wanted to take that as well and I think a lot of that kind of stuff has added to the already frustrated part. Like, mm. you know, Dublin is by rights, look, it's the capital city, of course. But people forget Waterford was the first capital city of Ireland. Yes. You know, it was the biggest port in Europe That's at right. one point. You know, and now I feel like again we've we don't with the big the bigger shops don't come, the um just things don't happen for Waterford. So when something happens, there is a lot of talk as I say, people say oh, a lot of big Rogers here, what's that fella doing And there is a little bit of that. But I think a lot of the stuff in Waterford is pure frustration mm. out of what's been taken from Waterford. So, so going back to the film, like, that's why I kind of leaned so heavily into the fact that it should take place in Waterford mm. and we should showcase Waterford.
0: That's very interesting, Tony. And that's so interesting to hear. And, and and it's interesting to hear about the, the, the begrudgery aspect as well, because there, there, there's a kind of one of the when I was doing like this character, Mossy Hennebury, on the radio for years, you <laughs> yeah. know, one of the first things I'd say, and it's obviously registered with people is, what are you talking about, boy, yeah? And if you listen to that, and particularly the tone of what I'm saying, the tone is very specific. So the tone is looking at you. So I can't see, you can't see me on the radio, but I'll try to explain it. I'm looking at you, but my head goes back and I go, what are you talking about, boy, yeah? And really what I'm saying is, who the hell do you think you are getting above your station and basically saying anything? Yeah. You're making a disgrace yourself, boy. Making a show yourself. Will you go way out of that, boy? Yeah. And that's another thing. Will you go way out <laughs> of that, boy? Go away where? Just yeah. go way out of that, boy. Yeah, Don't great. be
1: making a nuisance of yourself. But there is, but pa- I think part of that is so great, though, to be honest with you. Like, I remember the first Christmas I came home from America having lived there for a year, and obviously you pick up a few American terms, you know, that kind of thing. And myself and the lads were in town and getting the Christmas presents last minute as you do when you're a 23-year-old or 24-year-old. And I said to the lads, I'm going to pop upstairs in, in, in Deblom's lads and it's going to take the elevator. And the lads went, oh, he's taking the elevator. <laughs> right, but, oh, I mean the lift. Well, say the lift then.
0: Yeah. What are you talking about, by elevator? About? Yeah. Well, it's not as bad as Tom Dunn's friend. Tom Dunn's friend went to uh, New York for the weekend in about 1983. <laughs> 1983 is important to remember because right. a couple of films important films were around, around that time okay he came back uh, after the weekend he'd spent approximately 49 hours in New York and he came back using the word hey Mang." oh wow Mang, Mang, what yeah he was Scarface <laughs> <laughs> he'd seen Scarface what are you talking about
1: Mang? <laughs> that's the most ridiculous yeah. thing I've ever my life because it wasn't even man Mine. It was me. Yeah, he <laughs> was doing the Cuban New Yorker, and he, and he was in New York. He wasn't even in what Miami. the fuck are you talking yeah. about? Hoo-ah. Oh fuck you!
0: Oh Oh, man, man, brilliant. Tell me, if you can, uh, try and tell me about your stand-up in New York. Okay, What it's like going into a room? Mm -hmm. Who do you see? What kind of characters did you meet? What were they doing? Um, Were were any of them any good? Are they all brilliant, just unknown? Mm -hmm. Are some of them okay? Is it the same everywhere? Um, Are there old guys really like Jackie Mason who go, two guys walk into a bar? Uh, Are there guys like that? What are the owners like? What are the promoters like? What's the scene like?
1: Tell me. So basically, I originally started out, uh, I was in film school, I made this little short called I Am Jeff Shanagari which was almost like a precursor to the horror except it was about a singer who t- took himself too seriously. Okay. Uh, and I'll tell you how long ago this was. The people at film school weren't sharing a link on YouTube. They were burning the DVD of this little film that I'd made because mm. everyone was making these arthouse little shorts you mm. know, trying to be Godard. Mm. And I, like, I just wanted to make funny things. So it ended up getting uh, into the hands of this uh, a comedy producer by the name of Steve Rosenfield. And uh, he watched this little film and rang me and said... Steve Rosenfield here. I'm a comedy producer. I think you're very funny. Would you like to do stand up? And I went, fuck off, and hung up the phone. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I thought it was one of the lads' messing. Oh, did you? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So he rang me back. He was like, Tony, Steve Rosenfield here. Please don't tell me to fuck off again. <laughs> and, and it was, I was like, okay. So I met Steve, and he said, look, I think you're funny. Would you do stand up? And I said, I've always, always, always wanted to do stand up. It's one of the f- reasons I'm here in New York. But I don't know how to write it. I don't know how to do it. He goes, I'll teach you how to do that. Yeah. So Steve broke me in to the to the stand up. Uh, game over there and I actually the first time I ever did stand-up comedy in my life was on the main stage of Gotham Comedy Club in Chelsea in New York and when you're walking in all the big photos are there of Jerry Seinfeld Chris Rock Andy Kaufman um, like all the people I grew up idolising and I kind of went what the hell is happening here and they went oh yeah you're supposed to be downstairs in the basement but one of the lads one of these newcomers brought his whole office to the show so we have to open up the main room but there's 400 people uh, like I now I, I I'm taking a deep breath, but I was twenty three at the time and I went, Yeah, sure of course this is happening. You know, I kinda had that fearless bravado. Mm. And like that's that was the first time I ever did stand up. Was in front of four hundred people at Gotham Comedy Club. And how did it go? It went, I, I, I well, mm. you know, kind of well. And I was like, I had five minutes, and I, I did me five minutes, and it was grand. But I kind of just kind of kept going. I wanted to get in, into as many clubs as I could. To 20 so you nine. were
0: encouraged after that five minutes. Yeah. you were going. I just, I was on the main stage at yeah. Gotham. Four hundred people there. I went down well. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't didn't go. I t- t- you didn't know, bomb. I, no, didn't bomb. And, and in fact, in fact, it went better than yeah. well. It went very
1: well. Yeah. No, I bombed. Obviously, way so many times in between but uh yeah and I started I kind of I started opening for some people like you'd be in you could be in, like I used to go on in, in Broadway Comedy Club a lot um, which is on Broadway shocking and um Jim Gaffigan walked in one night and it was like you're opening for Jim Gaffigan tonight and I was like oh my god amazing so like then I'd see Jim work a room with new material and stuff like that and another time uh, Steve Rosenfield who was kind of mentoring me said do uh, you like this guy uh, Russell Brand and I was like yeah And he was like, he's hosting the MTV Awards. No one's ever heard of him, but he's breaking over here. And he's got this movie, Sarah Marshall was out at the time. Mm. And he's like, "Uh, do you want to do five minutes before him tonight? And Mm. I was like, "Uh, yes. So I met Russell and, you know, got to ask him things and all that. But the problem was I was 23, 24 and it was all happening really fast. And I also like started drinking way too much and taking too many drugs And kind of thought, this is what you're supposed to do. I'm supposed to lean into all these bad things that I read all my heroes doing. And that wasn't a good idea. But when I came back a couple of years later, then I got into this group of comics uh, that used to play at this place called Fat Baby. It was in the Lower East Side. It was an indie comedy show. And the the, the core group are a guy called Ben DiMarco, Giulio Gallarati... Ricky Velez and Josh Wesson. Now, Ricky Velez just is uh, is Pete Davidson's best friend. So, Pete was always around. Now, I don't remember meeting Pete Davidson, but the lads are always telling me, you know him, he was on the shows. I just, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I think they're lying. But mm-hmm. Pete is in that kind of group. So, obviously, he blew up. So, mm-hmm. he's one of the guys who became a mm-hmm. superstar. Ricky mm-hmm. then was in, um, was in Pete's movie, The King of Staten Island, mm-hmm. that Judd Apatow produced. And then Judd Apatow produced Ricky's stand-up special for HBO so like one of the guys who I kind of was in, in, like made it is making it that big and now Julio one of the other guys is kind of has a podcast on Barstool Sports he's touring the States he makes these really cool travel videos his voice is in the hurler as well so like those kind of guys like I watched do one of their first stand-up sets and become superstars Mm. you know um, and then as far as the older J- Jackie Mason type guys like Jackie's daughter Sheba was on the scene <laughs> right was <on> the scene. <laughs> is that right yeah and, like I probably she does a show or she did a show about Jackie was denying he was her father for years Yeah, just crazy stuff yeah. like that you know you meet these people but I also kind of got to know this uh, old yeah. comic called Steve Marshall and Steve Steve is an old Jewish comic who has a motto called don't behave so his motto was just basically say whatever you want on stage to get a laugh and he kind of he would. He took me under his wing a little bit and kind of taught me a, a thing or two as well. Mm. Just no, and what was
0: he like? As in, what was he like on stage? Fearless. And is that does that
1: work? Yeah. Did it work for him? Yeah. The New York, the New York scene, particularly back then, and and it still is now because I was over there two weeks ago uh, and it was the same. Like you can you can kind of you can still push the envelope yeah. over there once it's funny. Yeah. And once you're not just being an idiot and trying to offend people, mm. you can still make risky jokes. People want to laugh, you know. Yeah, it
0: was just interesting. Did you? Could you tell if there's? Um, is there a? Is there a personality uh, of a New York yeah. comedy crowd? Yes. Tell me about the personality.
1: First of all, it's I've paid my money. Mm. Why should I laugh at you? Okay, that's quite challenging. Yeah, I think if you can, I think and I think now if that you can, strikes
0: me as having two two sides. Yeah, that if you are a little bit good mm-hmm. they'll go I'm fucking laughing at you yeah. big time
1: yeah that's the truth <laughs> I'm going to big time laugh at and you and that fat baby room that I brought up as well uh, was such a challenging room because it was a. have actually had that. I did a podcast with the lads when I was in America a few weeks ago and they said it the same thing like they ran the room it was a comics room so comedians would come watch other comedians I would just come to hang out there because it, was, it wasn't a club, you know? Like, I remember. Oh, how I,
0: do you find comedians' rooms?
1: Oh, so hard. So That's difficult. even harder.
0: It was because these. That's harder than the I've paid my money
1: room. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it is because, <laughs> like, they, these are the guys, like, these are New York comics. Like, this is what I mean about Wizened, it. Wizened, hardened. And just, like like fair enough if you come around Dublin and you're a good comic it's it's competitive but the best you can get is a development deal out of RTE mm. if you're in New York on the scene the best you can get is Judd Apatow is going to see and you're on HBO the next day and you got a mm. million dollars to do it you know what i mean mm. it, the stakes are a little bit higher mm. so like i i've been on shows like and guys like Hannibal Buress have been on them and Eric Andre um Chris Stefano all those guys and they're sitting there and they're if not necessarily threatened, but they're kind of—I—I I, I was on a show before, and a lot of them were just sitting down in the back, joking and laughing in between or during other comic sets. They just didn't care. So you like that room in particular—you had to go on and grab everyone's attention make them pay attention to your set and then make them laugh.
0: And they'd be quite, um, they'd have quite a lot of attention to other people robbing their material. Oh God. And yeah. edging their material. So like yeah. half robbing.
1: And that's why it bothers me. I know I mentioned it earlier like, but like people like taking little things that, you know, you like you know Mario, you're doing satire or you're spotting. If you, like if you make up a voice, if you get crack, if you crack an impression, right? If someone else, if someone else does that impression, yes. it bothers you. It was there, it was there, but you saw it, yeah, right. So it's the same thing when you're doing. I've learned to get used to it, of though. course. But like, if, you, if if someone like like me, if I'm if I'm releasing some uh, clips online, and yes, it's something that happens every day, and we all see it. But I fucking saw it, mm. and I brought it to your attention. That doesn't mean you can go off and start, you know, no, using it for
0: yourself. It's a very interesting point, and uh, it's something I'll tell you how I've dealt with it as well. And it's a very interesting point, and it must apply to a lot of people who are in this business. But uh, people sometimes go, "Have you seen this? Have you seen this? Have you seen this?" And I go, no. <laughs> and do you know why I say no? Yeah. Sometimes I don't watch other people's yeah. stuff because I don't want it to go in there. Yeah, 100%. So I actually go, I try to actually stick to my own, um, what was my grandfather used to say in Waterford? Keep it in your own square. <laughs> yeah. Keep it in your own square. Yeah. Because if I see somebody else's squares or too many other people's squares, I'll come out with something and I'll go, is that my square or was it his? Yeah. It's the truth. Was it gone because I liked it, maybe? Yeah. And then I went, I liked it so much, it went in there. Yeah. My sweet lord. Exactly. I was, just about, George Harrison I was on just
1: about it. to say it happened to George Harrison. Yeah, were you? Yeah. Oh seriously. My God. Two Waterford lads thinking the same. And like but for me, even when I was making <clears throat> the film last year, I knew what my influences were. I knew what I wanted to pay homage to during the thing, but I didn't watch anything, I think, six weeks out, just in case. Yeah, performance-wise, yeah. as an actor, did you? Yeah, yeah. or well direction-wise, well I just, I just felt like if yeah. anything sours this, it needs to be what like there's, yeah. there is homages in yeah. there to Ricky Gervais's office, to the US office, yeah, oh, because, totally. Because how can you not? We're all influenced, of course, but it's, it's there, yeah. and it's. I know this is paying
0: absolutely homage. And, and by the way, the thing is, it's, it's very hard. I find it anyway. From, it's very hard to write truthfully if you're truly. Nicking somebody else's yes.
1: work. Yes. Oh, yeah. Cause, absolutely. Because all
0: you can do is do the bit they did, and yeah. then you don't know the next line. Yeah. It's like um, it's like um, Salieri and Mozart in, mm-hmm. in the film Almadeus, Amadeus. Amadeus. Yeah. When Salieri tries to inhale, almost he sees it on the paper. He tries to inhale Mozart, and he almost tries to write the next line, but he can't. No. Because he's not Mozart. Mm-hmm. And it was it was it was going through Mozart's head this piece of beautiful yeah. idea, if you like, and only he could continue that idea. And and, and, and your man, although he could kind of mimic the idea. He couldn't continue with it.
1: Yeah. And this is this is the main thing that I was taught by uh, Steve Rosenfield and even Steve Marshall as well, the, the older Jewish comedians who I really looked up to one of the things they taught me was establish your comedic persona. Who are you on stage? And if you can go out there and you know who that person is on stage, because it's yeah. not Tony Kelly who's sitting here now. A Tony Kelly on stage, then nobody can take it and you can't take anyone else's because it's like trying to put a square peg in a round hole. Correct.
0: And it'll also start to be autobiography. It'll also start to write itself. Exactly. So, for example, not this, because I don't want to uh, uh, quote anybody that wouldn't like to be quoted, but you know the way like Dylan Moran's yes. slightly slightly p- uh, p- pissed personality. Yes. Exactly That's begins to then inform itself.
1: Exactly, and um, the material. Yeah, and it's the same mm-hmm. for me. The person how I cracked my own thing like that was I listened to Greg Giraldo, who was a New York comic who made it big on the roasts and stuff like that. He's still my favorite comic to this day. Yeah, I love him What's so much. Greg Giraldo, and is it G G okay. I R A L D O? Okay, he is just such an. He was a Harvard law student who was a lawyer who stopped doing that to become a comic. He's a genius. But he died in 2010. I was supposed to meet him in 2010. Uh, Because I was, you know, as I mentioned, I was drinking too much and taking too many pills. And Greg himself was a recovering alcoholic and addict and helped a lot of young comics who were fucked up. And someone approached me one night and went, you're fucked up. You need to meet Greg. (laughs) And I went, I don't need to meet anyone. Yeah, sure. Okay. Right. But I went, okay, I'll meet him. But I ended up being so bad that I got taken home from New York. Didn't get to meet Greg and he died three months later. He relapsed himself and died of a... I see. So I love him. I just wish I I got to meet him even that one time, you know. Yeah. So,
0: um what about the the, the who you are, yeah. right? So, uh, are you like in your mind's eye when your head hits the pillow at night and and you know, you're 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 looking up at the ceiling and mm-hmm. you're thinking you know, where do I think I am in terms of what I like to do? Mm-hmm. Is, it, is, it, is it standing in front of a thousand people in a, in a, in a, in a, in a hall being yourself uh, on stage, being, being a stand-up comedian? Or is it in front of a film camera? Or is it, um, is, it, is it everything? It's everything. Everything, of course.
1: And I will say this though, like even a few weeks ago when we did the screening for the cast and crew and the people who were involved, one of my favourite parts was the start and at the end when I was standing in the microphone introducing the film. To people and cracking a few jokes on the because <laughs> I even remember when I was introing it, I, I automatically go to jokes, so I started kind of talking in set up punchline that wasn't prepared.
0: But also, you obviously respond to of the course, liveness, and I love you, love the liveness, yeah. And
1: like, mm. I just remember, and I remember saying, like, uh, you all thought you were coming to see a film, it's actually my new hour, that yeah, you're, you know, yeah, and yeah, but I also, yeah, exactly. And my nanny was sitting there because my granddad had gone off in the ambulance, mm. you know. and Everything in my because everyone had seen my granddad take ill outside so it was a little bit of a kind of a thing hanging over it and everything in my brain was going, make a joke about it, make a joke about it, make a joke about your granddad. So I was going to say like, oh, you know, it's everyone's so excited. My granddad's so excited he's having a heart attack and he's gone off in an ambulance. <laughs> but my nanny was sitting there and she didn't know that he was gone to hospital. Yes. You know, and we kind of wanted, so I was just looking at her and I had to fight so hard not to make that joke. But to my point, I suppose I'm trying to make is, although I, I listen, I love, filmmaking I love acting I love all of it I think I think if I really had to be honest, my real love is just standing there in front of an audience, yeah, you know? Yeah. I want to, to get back to doing more of it. Yeah.
0: Listen, Tony, um, I, the, the film is called The Hurler. It is. Um, it's um been great meeting you today. Um, I know, listen,
1: and, and look, it was such an honour as well, Mario, for you to come in and, and do the movie and have the faith in me to, to, to do that, you know? Yeah. It really was. Yeah. Mean, I'll be honest with you, it, the movie starts with a bang, you know? It really Aww. does. It sets well, I'm the, just told, I mean, I,
0: listen, I'm I was going to say yes from the beginning because I was just, totally uh, impressed with the balls and the tenacity and the consistency um, that you need. I mean, uh, people have talent all over the place, yeah. right? I've grown old enough to know, fuck talent. Yeah, And to be honest with you, sometimes fuck ideas. Ideas are two a penny as well. Mm-hmm. But it's a great idea. Yeah. Look, we've all had great ideas. Yeah. It's about who can do it Yeah, and who has the, the see-through, the follow-through. Mm-hmm. And you've done it. You had the follow-through and, 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 and uh, you know, um, so what's, what's going to be next for you? What, or rather not what, what's going to be next for you what do you want to do next?
1: Um, I, I'd like to do a series next like a, a proper TV not like based on the web or a player or anything like that like I'd like to do I'd like to finally do a scripted series whether it's a horror series after the movie or something else that will be the then because I grew up watching TV. Look, I mm. love look, I love movies. Went to film school, but uh, something and about TV. Would you TV. see
0: yourself in the role of, for example, a showrunner? Yeah, yeah. So like on Netflix or Amazon Prime or one of those things that you you are the progenitor, the the the, the creator of a show and the showrunner on it. Like, yeah. yeah,
1: like or like. Listen, I grew up watching BBC. You know what I mean? Channel Four, yeah. RTE, mm. and like honestly, mm. I just I want to make a TV show. I want to do a, a, a kind of a longer narrative over six episodes, yeah. whatever it is. Um, and I want to and, and honestly getting back to doing stand-up mm. is, um, is is very very close to the top mm. of the list as well
0: yeah well I, I would definitely listening to you and you know that philosophy of do it all Tony yeah do it all don't pigeonhole yourself and don't let anybody else pigeonhole you do what you want to do yeah I appreciate that Mario thanks for coming on thanks bye <laughs> <laughs> my thanks to Tony Kelly um, for joining me for a very absorbing chat and uh, a fellow Waterford buddy. Um, thanks to you for tuning in. It's Rosenstock at gmail.com if you want to get in touch with me. I read them all and get back to most of them. I'm on Twitter as well, um, at Gift Grub Mario, Facebook and Instagram. Um, I'm also on tour for the second leg of my tour all over the country. Check me out. Ticketmaster, Mario Rosenstock for details. See you same time, same place next week. Bye, folks.